0: Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Taryn Matharu, author of the Summoner series of YA novels. Matharu originally posted the first book in the series, The Novice, in serial installments on Wattpad, where it quickly racked up millions of reads and drew the attention of literary agents and publishers. Traditionally published versions of the Novice and its sequel, The Inquisition, followed. And the third book in the series, The Battle Mage, is being published in the U.S. in May by Macmillan's Fowl and Friends imprint, which is sponsoring this podcast. Taryn, thank you for speaking with me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, So for those who aren't familiar with with the books of this series so far, can you just give a little brief overview about your hero Fletcher and the world of battle mages and demons uh, that he inhabits?
1: So um the series is often described uh, by my readers as a mix between Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Pokemon. It's about an orphan boy who discovers he has the ability to summon demons from another world and ends up being chased from his uh, village for a crime he didn't commit and eventually makes his way to Vokun's Academy, where he is trained to become a battle mage uh, so that he can fight in the war against the orcs uh, in the southern jungles.
0: Great. And so, you know, as I mentioned, you, you originally started out by by posting the first story on Wattpad. Um, what was behind that original decision?
1: So I actually uh, worked very briefly at uh, Penguin Random House as an intern. And uh, I was constantly pestering my boss if he would allow me to uh, show some of my work to an editor. And uh, he definitely didn't want me pestering editors. So I, he said to me, oh, you know what, you should uh, you should just put your work on Wattpad. Uh, there's lots of people who have uh, put their work on there, and uh, their work's gone viral, and it helped them get a book deal. And I don't think he genuinely thought that uh, anything would happen. But uh, as part of my uh, role at Penguin Random House, I kind of uh, learned a little bit more about Wattpad, and I thought, this is a really interesting website. And, you know, I'd love to get some feedback on my writing, maybe build a bit of an audience, um, you know, encourage me to write an entire book. And at the same time, it was National Novel Writing Month, um, which if uh, your listeners aren't familiar with, it's where you challenge yourself to write 50,000 words in one month. So I thought, I'll write this book, you know, 50,000 words in one month, that'll be about half of it, and every day I'll put a chapter on Wattpad. And uh, I guess I just wanted feedback and encouragement, but what happened was it ended up going viral on there. So after the first month, it had been read a 100,000 times, um, and then three months after that, it hit its first uh, million. And that's when I started getting unsolicited interest from uh, publishers.
0: Hmm. And, you know... Certainly, there have been some authors, you know, over the years who who have you know really broken out thanks to Wattpad. But you know, like like you thought, I think, and maybe your boss, like, it, there's certainly no guarantee. Do you have any sense, you know, either from feedback you were getting in those early days or you know as things were picking up, what it was that that readers were responding to?
1: I mean, what's interesting is that my book um, is not something that would do naturally well on Wattpad. Wattpad's very much geared towards romantic novels that appeal specifically to teenage girls, and most of the Uh, most of Wattpad is teenage girls. I think it's something like 70 or 80%. Um, And while my book does appeal to teenage girls, it also has a big appeal to teenage boys. And uh, it's not uh, fan fiction or anything like that, and that also does very well on Wattpad. So I think think it really was just the story. A lot of people connected to it. They liked the mix of kind of Pokemon-style demons, Lord of the Rings-style fantasy races, and Harry Potter-style kind of school and uh, friendship and uh, world-building. And I think that really appealed to people. Um but there were also kind of various things I did on Wattpad to, to help build my following, like responding to every comment, um requesting that people vote if they enjoyed the chapter, interacting with my fans, doing little mini surveys to see where they wanted, you know, um uh, to name a character, for example, that kind of stuff. Um so I think that certainly helps. But um I think in particular it was the story that just appealed to people in particular.
0: And um, you know, then, of course, as you mentioned, you started getting interest from publishers and agents. And can you talk a little bit about how that tra- transition uh, ended up happening and then what the experience has been like of uh, you know, working on that side with both the first book and the subsequent ones?
1: Yeah, so it was, it was interesting because uh, what happened was I, it was four months um, after I put the first uh, chapter on Wattpad. And the book itself wasn't actually completed at that point. Um, I'd been kind of uploading a chapter every two or three weeks. So it was about two-thirds done when um, publishers started getting in touch. Uh, Really, it was an audiobook publisher who wanted to buy the audiobook rights only. And that was after they'd seen my book kind of mentioned in an NBC News article. And uh, I knew that uh, selling audiobook rights on their own is not necessarily a good idea because sometimes publishers will only be interested in buying print rights if audiobook rights are on the table as well. So what happened was I started contacting agents just seeking advice, really, uh, saying, you know, I've got this audiobook offer on the table, the book isn't even finished yet, and I know that selling audiobook rights sometimes isn't a good idea, what do you think? Um, so I did this with six different agents around the world. Uh, every single one of them requested uh, the manuscripts immediately, and um, I think pretty much every single one offered to represent me within 24 hours. Uh, in fact, my current agent offered to represent me within three hours. She read the book, you know, kind of from from start to finish, the sample that I shared with her, and and, and offered at the end of it. So. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was incredibly exciting and a very difficult decision to make. I narrowed my list down of six offers down to two and, and I gave myself a week to decide and it was a very tricky decision. But I think I made the right one. Uh, My agent's done uh, very well. You know, she, uh, she sold the book to uh, multiple publishers around the world. I think it's in uh, 13 languages now. And, uh, so that's incredibly exciting and amazing to see my book in foreign countries, in stores. You know, I've gone around the world looking at where my books are and, and, uh, signing copies there, here and there. I've done a book tour in Brazil. That was fantastic. And, uh, obviously the books have seen, um, major success since then in the US. Uh, both book one and book two have been on the New York Times bestseller list multiple times in, in multiple kind of forms. And, uh, it's just been a fantastic experience, uh, really. And to, to earn a living from my craft is, um, is, uh, a great honor. And uh, it's something that I I hope to do for the rest of my life. And I'm currently working as a full-time author and it's, I believe it's the best job in the world and uh, I'm just really enjoying it.
0: Well, I know we're talking a little bit about the third book today, but I did happen to be on uh, Twitter this morning and I noticed that you were talking about the fourth uh, book a little bit. Do you want to talk about where the series is headed?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the third book is uh, kind of the end of Fletcher, the protagonist's story. But then, you know, the, the fan base, they, they definitely wanted more in this world, but I didn't want to kind of write a book for the sake of it. But there's such a rich history in the world that uh, my publisher said to me, you know, what what if you wrote a prequel? And it started to kind of build and build in my head. And I said, you know what, there is a story there. Uh, it's a story that's kind of told kind of secondhand uh, through the series with a lot of kind of details omitted. And I thought, you know what, it would be great if I could go back in time to when the adults were students at the uh, military academy um, to show what happened to them when they were younger. And uh, that is what I've ended up doing. So there will be a trilogy and then a kind of prequel, effectively, uh, which will be a fourth book, kind of, I guess, like uh, The Hobbit is to uh, The Lord of the Rings trilogy. So it's set in a time before. And I guess if you wanted to picture in terms of a time jump back, if you imagine Harry Potter, um, it would be, you know, what happened to Lily and James Potter when they were at Hogwarts, I guess, would be the... uh, and the way of looking at what that prequel is doing.
0: So it sounds like with this book, uh, The Battle Mage, this will be sort of wrapping up the arc of the previous two books. Um, without giving away more than you want to, can you talk a little bit about what, what the stakes are sort of at this point in the series?
1: So uh, without, oh God, it's so difficult not to spoil things, so I'm going <laughs> to do my best. So Fletcher and his friends are being chased across an alien world, and effectively they uh, it's it's the, the world where the uh, demons that they summon come from. Uh, and they're being chased by, uh, Wyvern riding, uh, orc shamans. And, uh, it's very difficult. And eventually they will make their way back and, uh, Fletcher will need to lead an army against the orcs who, uh, will be invading from the southern jungles. And, uh, it's all very exciting. And all the kind of loose ends get tied together, uh, towards the end. And you'll really see Fletcher come into his own, uh, becoming an officer, leading his own troops, uh, you know, joining together with dwarves and elves alike. And, uh, it's going to be really exciting.
0: You have had the chance to come up with uh, a lot of unusual, memorable creatures over the course of these books. Uh, do you have any uh, particular favorites or ones that you know, either readers have responded to or new ones that they can look
1: forward to in the new book? So I use a lot of kind of Greek uh, mythology in the first book. So you have Minotaur's, Hydras, uh, things like that, um, more traditionally known mythical creatures. But as the books have progressed, I've been able to branch out into mythologies from around the world. And that's something that my readers have really enjoyed. For example, um, there is a, uh, mythical creature from Japan known as the Raiju, which is often in the form of a ferret or a wolf, which has blue fur and lightning powers. Um, and also has a weird affinity for, uh, navels for some reason. Not sure why. Hmm. Um, and, uh, that has made its way into the story. There is a demon known as a Raiju. It's kind of like a mix between a raccoon and a squirrel and a, a weasel, if you're trying to picture it in your head. And, uh, he has the, uh, has lightning powers. And, um, it's, 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 a little bit like Pikachu, I suppose, but it is a real mythological creature from Japan. And then there's the, uh, Nanue, which is a kind of land shark from Hawaiian mythology. And, uh, that's one of the, the demons that are most popular, uh, with orcs. So if you imagine, uh, a shark with four legs and you'll have some idea of, of how dangerous those, uh, demons are. And, uh, those, those were quite popular with my fan base as well. So, um, yeah, it's just been amazing. I've, I've got over 90 demons in the kind of, uh, I guess you'd call it a demonology, effectively, um, of the, the Summoner world. So it is a lot like Pokemon in that there are various species. Uh, they have, um, kind of, you know, a food chain of sorts. There are different types with different abilities. And they have their entire, you know, an entire ecosystem where they exist in an almost separate world.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, uh, you had written a piece uh, for The Guardian, I believe, a few years ago that had discussed uh, some of the racially motivated bullying that you suffered as a child and the way that fiction um, helped you, I guess, process that a bit. Uh, was it important to you when it, when it came to this series to explore ideas like injustice and discrimination through a sort of uh, fantastical or fantasy lens?
1: Absolutely. I think it makes things a lot easier for younger children to understand without kind of ladling it on thick, as it were. And um, it's really just a great metaphor for them to understand things in a, in a different context and then apply it to, to their own. It wasn't something I, I feel it was almost instinctual to write that way. It wasn't something I kind of sat down and thought, oh, I'm going to make it that, you know, the dwarves are a, a kind of second class citizen. You know, I'm going to make it that, uh, you know, elves and humans dislike each other. Um, I think it just ended up being a kind of natural process of the story. And uh, it's almost a reflection of the way our world works sometimes, I guess. Um, And it would almost be unusual for these three different, so vastly different races to not have various tensions and cultural differences uh, there. And I was also able to explore various other injustices um, that exist in our world. For example, there, uh, there's a lot of police brutality against the dwarves. Um, you know, it's, it's a very medieval style police, but they treat the dwarves very badly and persecute them. And, uh, perhaps that has, um, some reflection on the Black Lives Matter movement and, and, and that kind of thing. And then there's also, uh, kind of societal and structural things that are looked at, um, where there, there are nobles and commoners and the school is kind of divided into the nobles and the commoners, and the nobles don't uh, tend to treat the commoners very fa- uh, very well. They tend to treat them as second-class citizens as well. And uh, kind of all these things have uh, have an influence on the story, and a lot of what Fletcher's aim is uh, aim to do is to unite the three races so that they can defeat the orcs when they eventually invade. And, um, you know, it's easy to say that, um, oh, the orcs are the bad guys, and, and, you know, you're almost making another race is, like, naturally evil, but actually eventually you learn... That the orcs uh, only behave this way because they've been indoctrinated to behave this way from birth and um you know a lot of their actions and brutalities are religiously motivated and that kind of comes into play as well Uh, so Mm. lots of different things kind of going on in this world but i guess it is kind of a reflection of our own as well but in a fantasy setting and hopefully it allows you know anyone reading it to kind of take a second look at our world and say oh so that's you know that's how things have Uh, are reflected.
0: And I I got the sense from that same piece that the idea of becoming a writer was something that was in your, in your mind from an early age. Is that, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. Um, my mom says that I started writing when I was seven years old. I remember it as being nine years old, but, um, you know, she probably has a better memory than I do of that. Um, and yeah, I started writing my first novel around between seven and nine. I'm not sure. And I wrote about 17,000 words of that, which I think was quite impressive for, for a kid that age. And uh yeah, I've just kept writing my entire life, but I really just never thought that anything would come of it. It's, uh you know, I'd never really shared my work with anyone outside of my close family. Um So I never really realized if it was any good until I shared it on Wattpad and people started connecting with my writing. And uh that was something, uh it was very cool to see that. I almost wish that Wattpad had existed when I was younger so that I'd been able to kind of share my work earlier and perhaps take my writing more seriously. I mean, I didn't study creative writing or anything at university, although, to be fair, most authors don't. I studied business, and I think that certainly helped me get the word out about my book, kind of get it into people's hands. So there are some advantages to that. But I also wonder what, what might have been if I would uh, taken my writing more seriously when I was younger.
0: And do you feel like young adult literature and writing for teens is sort of where you expect to focus your, your writing?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what I enjoy reading, uh, to be honest. Um, and it's just naturally uh, where my stories end up. I wasn't, um, particularly sure where my book would fall when publishers got in touch with me. I didn't see, didn't exactly know where they saw it as a traditional adult fantasy, um, or a, or a wa- YA or even a middle grade. Um, but they kind of placed it in the young adult category. And, uh, I've been very happy with, with that because uh, adults can read it as well as younger um, children. I've got fans who are as young as nine or eight years old. Uh, equally I have fans who are much older. In fact, I have a, a weird kind of following in the American military, uh, which is kind of interesting. I get a lot of messages from uh, from guys and gals in, in um, you know, their kind of uniform in their mm. profile picture saying, like, hey, I really enjoyed your book. And I guess, you know, they do a lot of reading out there, and uh, I found that quite interesting as well. So uh, it's, it really is a broad spectrum of people who enjoy it. I found that, you know, it's it's equally popular with girls and boys, and I've also found that uh, uh, a lot of people who are fans of Aragon um, Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. And also people who have, uh, kind of graduate, they're graduating from authors like Rick Riordan, you know, who they finished Percy Jackson, they're looking for something a little bit older. Um, I found that, uh, that's the kind of area that people are falling into when they're reading my work.
0: And I think I saw that you're uh, coming to the US a little bit later this year. Can you talk a bit about that?
1: Yes. Um, I'm so excited for it. It's my first proper tour in the U S. Um, I'm, you know, it starts off in Cleveland, May 9th. You know, and then, uh, you know, all the way, um, until May 16th, I would be traveling around. I'll be in Texas, um, you know, California, uh, Nevada, Florida, um, lots of different places. Um, that all the, if you, if, if you're, um, one of my readers or, or, would like to attend the tour, there's lots of information on www.fiercereads.com and you can find out loads more about, uh, where we're going, who else is coming, um, that kind of thing. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to, to, to get started.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm sure the, uh, the fourth book, the prequel is, you know, taking up a lot of your time and attention, but are you, do you find yourself starting to think about what might come next, uh, beyond, uh, the world of the Summoner books?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's a, it's, it's interesting because, uh, when I started writing on Wattpad, I wrote the first chapter of Summoner and the first chapter of a different book series. And I kind of posted them both on there just to try and decide which one I was gonna write. And it turned out that uh the first chapter of the novice got maybe like eleven reads on that first day, and the other one got like nine reads. So the difference was minimal, but I'd used that decision to to write Summoner. Um and who knows what would have happened if I'd gone with the other one. But that you know, it's a completely different series that I can't talk too much about because, you know, we haven't really um fixed how, how it's pitched, but I guess the best way to describe it would be a mix between Avatar, um, that's the Blue Aliens film, not the anime TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, so Avatar meets Gladiator meets The Hundred is probably <laughs> the best way to describe it, which I know is hard to picture, but when you read it, it will totally make sense. Uh, Excellent. and I'm just super excited about, uh, writing that, but I've got to write this prequel first.
0: Very good. Well, uh, you know, congratulations again on this new book and, uh, thanks for taking time to speak with me.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with Taryn Mathuru, whose third book in the Summoner series, The Battle Mage, arrives in May from Fywell and Friends. Thank you for listening to PW cast.